everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Double Feature Versus. I am your co-host, Black Cinephile. And I'm your co-host, Brad. That there is Brad. And to, on this one here, we got a uh, we got a spy showdown that, uh, you know, we had came up with a few weeks ago that uh, I felt like, you know, would be like a good matchup here. We got uh, Robert De Niro's underrated film, The Good Shepherd versus... Um, uh, Thomas Alfredson's Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy based on the John Lecard novel. And uh, yeah, we got these two uh, matchup t- matchups today. And um, have you seen either of these before? So I have not seen either of these prior, but I had heard of The Good Shepherd because of Matt Damon's performance in this movie and mm-hmm. it being tailored as one that everybody goes, oh, it's like one of his best and everything. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that, but I can definitely uh, see where people really? come from. Okay, okay. I I actually would disagree with you, but we'll get into it. Uh, but this is my first time seeing Tinker Taylor. I saw The Good Shepherd uh, when my mom rented it when it first came out. And of course, recently, you know, for this episode. But um, this is my first time seeing Tinker Taylor. But I actually have the... Uh, the Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy book back there. I just haven't like given it a list, a read yet, because you know, I think I think someone had told me John Lacar is a great uh, novelist of like spy novels, and that was one of the books I bought. And I said, oh wait, they turned this into a movie too. Yeah. So and, yeah. And then you went, oh, I'll never read it. Then I'll just watch it. I'll still read it someday. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we all say. I got you. I got you. But um, yeah, man. So that that's basically my my background on these two right here. And uh, yes, yeah, this is this is gonna be a this is gonna gonna be an interesting one, man. I, I'm always kind of up and down with spy films because they could either lose me or when it gets to the punchline, I'm like, you did all this just to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Could have just told the story straight, you know. But I don't know. That's depending on the type of movie I'm watching. But um. Yeah, man, let's just get into it. I believe, you know, I, I think The Good Shepherd is probably a good place to start off with. I know it came out before Tinker Taylor. I know how you feel about this, but I don't know. I just feel like it's a good place to start. Um, You know what? It It's hard to disagree with you on that one, so I'll let you have this, but uh, we'll, mm. we'll see what happens next time. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start off with a 2006 The Good Shepherd, uh, directed by Robert De Niro. And this film stars uh, Matt Damon um, in a lead performance as uh, Edward Wilson. And it's basically about, I'm going to say it's based off because it's not directly telling the birth of the CIA, but it's based off the beginning of counterintelligence in the uh, in the CIA. And it's uh, it revolves around Edward Wilson, who, um, you know, comes up through, uh, you know, Yale University in the skull and bones, the secret fraternity. And, uh, you know, he, he, he takes on a duty to, um, you know, uh, join the CIA and it just follows him as he, um, as he joins the agency becomes like a a full fledged spy, how that takes a a toll on his uh, personal life, his family life and how he, uh, he has a hard time, you know, um, keeping the two separate, you know, he, he, he sinks into his work and it just kind of shows like the, uh, the, the dangerous consequences of, of what can happen with, um, you know, a position like that, especially when it hits close to home towards the end of the film. And that in a nutshell, in, in a very, very, very short nutshell is the good shepherd. 
Now, I feel like when you're talking about a movie like this, you just got to dive right into the events that happened because one of the things I like about The Good Shepherd is that it it plays like a spy film, but it doesn't like it doesn't make itself overly complicated. Like Robert De Niro approaches it like with a pretty straightforward um, approach, and he he makes it in my mind accessible for anyone that's watching something like this. Now, what what did you feel about watching this for the first time? See, I would agree. This is more of a spy drama than a spy thriller movie, where Mm -hmm. a spy thriller is mostly like, oh, let's get to the action scenes and everything like that. This one's more about Mm -hmm. that, you know, very slow burn to solve these kind of mysteries that they're in and try and figure out, like, what's the source of this recording? What's the source of this video? Let's go through the process of him going and finding out who these other spies are and, you know, how this information's getting out and how they can get more information from other people. And even like when they have people that are defecting from other countries and he, he's the person that talks with them to figure out, do you actually have information we need? Do you have something of value to us? And what are you asking for in exchange for that information? And it it definitely plays more as a drama in that aspect because he's not like on the front lines or anything. He's not doing he's in the shadows. Yeah, he's very much in the shadows. He's the background player. You know, he's the guy that's listening to the recording 15 times to catch that there's a fan playing in the background and trying to figure that all out. And I say specifically a fan because that is one of the central plot points throughout the movie that continually cuts to is they have a recording that they're trying to Mm -hmm. figure out who recorded it, where it was recorded and everything like that. So they're like listening to it constantly and going, okay, so we managed to sample out this little bit of the audio and it's a plane. And we figured out that it was recorded at 10 o'clock due to this picture and you can tell that there's a clock there and it's close to 10. So we went through and gone over every flight that was leaving about 10 o'clock from every place in the world. And mm-hmm. we narrowed it down to these places. And then it just yeah. keeps going more in depth of them, like breaking down this footage and audio that they have. And let me say when it finally does uh, get to the point of like the re- like the reveal of, of who it was. When it pays off, man, it it pays off. We'll get there. But I mm-hmm. thought, you know, I, I knew about the twist when I first saw the movie as a kid. I remember what it was. But like watching it with new adult eyes, I was like, well done. Well done. I was built up pretty nicely mm-hmm. in my eyes. But, um, you know, going from like, you know, Edward coming up, uh, that whole skull and bone scene was like, I don't want to say it was creepy. It was just weird. It, it Like, it, I know. Ne- it definitely yeah. gave like cultish kind of vibes to it. Yeah, yeah. Cause I don't I don't understand the thing behind fraternities and humiliation and humiliation gains brotherhood. I just never understood that. That's just always been the weirdest thing to me. But you know, again, this is a fraternity that's like always been secret that a lot of presidents have been in, and there's like a lot of secret stuff that happens in there. So I like how the film plays that up too. Uh, but I was gonna say you know, it was it's interesting seeing where Edward starts off when he um, you know, he he has to investigate his uh poetry professor Frederick, who has um, you know, uh ties to be a uh, you know, a Nazi sympathizer. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, and then there's like, you know, rumors that he sleeps with some of his male students as well. You know, and then when it comes to the point where he finally has to tell him, um, I, I love the way this scene plays out. He, he has a moment with the guy where, you know, Frederick knows his 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 days are counting. And, uh, you know, Edward, uh, I think he kind of like he, he bends down to tie his shoe and, you know, Frederick knows what's up. And it's kind of a sad scene because, you know, Edward doesn't want his professor to get, you know, killed. But it is what it is. You know, he turns the corner and he, he gets killed. Yeah. Well, even more powerful in that scene is the fact that as they're talking and he's going, you know, are you going to bend down and tie your shoe right now? Knowing that that's the sign of like, he's not going to go quietly, you know, right? because the goal was to get Frederick to leave the organization and kind of just walk away from it. And instead they find that he's not going to. So that was the sign to, you know, you got to off him. And then, yeah, as he runs the corner and finds out that he's being, you know, he's already dead and he's been thrown into the river or, you know, where they are. I love the way they play that out. It's such a beautiful kind of like cinematography moment. Like, yes, he died. He got thrown in. But it's like the way that the shot focuses and moves around and everything is so well done. Yeah, I would I would totally agree. And um, the thing I would say about it is, you know, when you're hearing because here's the way it plays off in kind of like a creepy way. Right. You know, he turns the corner. You hear a little bit of screams like, whoa, what are they doing to him? You know, and then you uh, you turn the corner and then you see like they, they throw the cane into the, the water. Yeah, it's it, it's played off uh, pretty nice. Yeah. And then it also has to be said that Frederick is the one that got him into this uh, spy game at the same time. Edward wouldn't have been a part of this group if it wasn't for the recommendation from Frederick, which actually came after Edward got Frederick fired from his teaching position due to him. uh, He stole a poem, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he ended up getting him fired. And then from the due respect of like being like, okay, you can actually research stuff. You know what you're doing. And the fact that he didn't do it with a grudge, like Edward did it because he was like, look, you were a teacher. You should be held to a high standard. Here's what you did. Here's where we're going. And you you know that this was coming eventually. You know, you should have known you stole this poem word for word. Eventually, somebody was going to notice it. This isn't personal. It's literally just the process. And Frederick has the respect of like, okay, you know what? If there's anybody that can enter the spy game and do it right, you know, this is the guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I like how we go from there. You know, Edward finds love in um, a woman named Laura, you know, who was who was a little hearing impaired. Mm -hmm. But I like how when he goes to a party and uh, meets Clover, you know, for the first time, played by Angelina Jolie. I like their relationship because, you know, the way it goes is that these people, they had a moment of lust, right? But, you know, because there's, you know, you fast forward a little bit, there's a baby involved, you know, now he's obligated to marry her because, you know, that's the way it was back then. You know, if you're mm-hmm. going to get someone pregnant, you got to make an honest woman out of them. You got to marry. But this relationship is doomed from the start because they don't they don't really love each other. It was just a moment of lust that turned into marriage. Right. Yeah. And I, I love the scene where he finds out that Clover is pregnant, too, because her brother shows up 
to his date uh, when Edward is out on a date with Laura and he, of course, like steps away to go see what's going on. And he tells him, you know, oh, my sister's pregnant. You know what you have to do. And because Laura can read lips, she instantly, as soon as she like can tell what's going on and everything, she just starts walking away and you just have this shot like panning from Edward over to Laura as she's just walking off the beach and, you know, leaving everything behind. And it's like, oh, that's such a painful kind of moment and everything like that, because, yeah, they were cute together. They they definitely had something there. And Absolutely. Especially when we like progress in the movie with everything with Clover and how it was literally just a moment of lust with them. It wasn't anything deeper than that. So they have their kid and because Edward's gone for work so much because of, you know, what he does and because it's so secretive, he can't tell Clover, Oh yeah, this is what I was doing today. Or this is what country I'm even in right now. She has none of that knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's just his home life. His home life is a commodity to him. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's not until he gets older that he he feels more closer to his son, obviously. And that leads to, you know, heartbreaking things that happen in the end. But, you know, like outside of his son, his wife is a commodity to him. It's like it's like a handbag to him. Like, oh, yes, this is my uh, p- public life with my wife. And, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I love how. As he grows up, you know, he uh, of course, you know, he has his um you know, affairs or whatever. But I love how he kind of like, you know, subtly hears from his son like, uh, oh, Mr. Such and Such is taking us for a ride. Who's Mr. Such and Such? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's mommy's friend that comes over with his caddy or something like that. And then he kind of learns through the kid that, you know, she's been cheating on him while he's been gone. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he finds out that he immediately goes to like his assistant who like ends up coming into the office right then and there and is like, right. Hey, you you uh you want to have some fun and everything, and then finds out that she's a spy, right? And then I kills love her. That, I love how that literally it, his son going, yeah, mom has a new friend that comes over a lot, led to him finding out his assistant was a spy. <laughs> right? Yeah, just just by fate. Right. That's hilarious, and that just shows like that's how great this film is because it really shows you can't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. Like as we see, um, you know, De Niro's character, General Bill or General Sullivan throughout the film, you know, he lets Matt know, like, listen, keep, you know, keep your eyes open. You really don't know who you can trust in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, dude, uh, so many great talent in this film, man. You got Alec Baldwin as a uh, FBI agent, Morak. You got uh William Hurt, uh, rest in peace, CIA director Philip Allen. John Turturro, I loved his scenes as a uh, Ray Broco, uh, Brocco. Joe Pesci um, is in this. When he yeah, popped Joe up, Pesci. I was like, what the? Okay, okay, so we got Joe Pesci. <laughs> this was his return after he had, like, retired from acting after Lethal Weapon 4. Mm-hmm. So he had, like, an eight-year absence by the time he came in this film. So, yeah, it, he when, yeah, his cameo was pretty good. But, um, dude, I got to say, uh, Lee Pace... As a, a deputy director, um, uh, Hayes, he's such a smarmy dude in this movie, dude. Like, he's such a smarmy guy. Yeah. He, you know who I'm talking about? I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he, yeah. Basically, he's one of those ones that when everybody's constantly going, you know, you can't trust 
anyone. It's like, yeah, that's that's the guy everybody's talking about, isn't it? Yeah, every time, every moment he was on the screen, he has like this this douchey. Uh, I'll I'll betray you the first moment I get kind of look on his face, and I'm like, why don't you just kill this guy just to save the headache? Like, you know, <laughs> this this job's a game, and I'm gonna win it. Kind of like attitude toward right. everything. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, I love it though, man. I love it. But I I want to talk to you um, if you're ready to like head towards the climax here. Yeah. I know there's a lot that goes on, but dude, I want to talk to you about um, Eddie Redmayne. You know, he um, he plays uh, Edward's son, you know, when he grows up as an adult, um, which I didn't remember from the original film. I don't I don't I, I forgot this was the first film I saw Eddie Redmayne in. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, man, when we finally get to it, Eddie Redmayne comes up in Skull and Bones like his father. He wants to join the CIA like his father. And, you know, he's, you know, of course, you know, Edward is a little wary of this because, you know, he he knows the moral toll that the job has had on him. Doesn't want his son to go through the same kind of thing. But, you know, it comes to it in the end that uh the photograph and the recording turned out to be his son and uh, um and a spy, mm-hmm. you know, who was his lover. Uh, her name was Miriam. And, you know, she's a Soviet oper- operative. And, you know. Edward confronts his son about it. They they argue about it. You know, he Edward, I mean, um, the son refuses to believe that, you know, Miriam's a spy. And uh and then the the real kicker is, you know, um, he's asking Miriam to uh marry him and she's pregnant. Uh yeah, man, like I dude, this whole the whole way this plays out through that montage, I said, dude, that's beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. like that that shot of her. Um, you know, because in the end, it's decided that, you know, Edward has to make the decision. Um, you know, we talking with his ally. He says uh, he makes the decision that, you know, she's got to go. And that shot of her being thrown out the plane, dude. Yeah. Well, it's not even that. Like, it starts with them on the plane and you're already like, uh-oh. right. Uh, I, I don't like this. This is this is going to end badly. And. You see somebody open the door and like her panicked expression as she like realizes what's going on as they like shuffle her and just throw her out. And then she's just falling. And the shot lingers for so long that there's plenty of time for you to go. Oh, this is this isn't good. I don't like this. Why? Why are you lingering on this? This is making me uncomfortable. That's one of the best. That's one of the best death scenes I've ever seen. It, It definitely is one of the slower cut kind of death scenes for having like no action or anything in it. It's just a very slow watching her fall and just watching as she gets, you know, further and further away from the camera that's at the plane, you know, closer to the trees. And it's just like, ah, I don't like this. This is, you know, it it puts that shiver down your spine as you're watching and just going, oh, yeah, that's a fear right there. Oh, then there's that heartbreaking scene. Where his son comes out and uh, he kind of, you know, Edward Sr. kind of gets the news and turns to his son. And you just see the heartbreaking look on Eddie Redmayne's face where he mm-hmm. goes, he goes, uh, you know, what happened? And then, you know, um, Angelina Jolie is like, what did you do? Oh, man, that that scene, that kind of hit me. Yeah, it's it, this one definitely ends on that. No, especially because throughout like as his son is growing up and going, I want to join, like, I want to do the same thing that you do, dad and everything. His wife is your Clover is constantly going. 
don't you dare let him. Don't you let him get anywhere close to it. You know, I have no idea what you do. I have no idea what your life is, but I just know that you're in danger every day. And if you can, you know, look at your son dead in the eye and go, that's the life that you want for him. You're lying to yourself and you know it. And mm. I, I love Edward's response to it just being like, look, I'm not going to sabotage him. I'm not going to stop him. If this is what he wants to do, he has to prove that he wants it. I'm not going to help him, but I'm not going to stop him. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, yeah, man, overall, I love the last minute uh, twist that um, the man that they had originally like uh, captured and interrogated. I love that, you know, he wasn't lying after all. He really was the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that the guy that they thought was, um, you know, who they were uh, looking for uh, was lying this whole time. And, um, yeah, I love the, the the resolution of that plot. Yeah, dude, overall, um, I think this is a great spy movie, dude. I love the way Robert De Niro approached it. I loved Eric Roth's screenplay of it. I feel like it was a very well done spy drama. Now, I got to say in my in, in my defense of, of the great Matt Damon here. I think this is one of his best performances because, you know, he he carries the great stolid look of someone like this who is joining, who who is basically signing up to be a, a man that lives in the shadows. Like you can compare this performance to Gary Oldman's performance in Tinker Taylor, which we're going to talk about next. Like these are men who live in the shadows, who it's their job to find the weakness in other men. Yeah. Like I feel like Matt Damon embodies that in this film. I will agree. I I will not say that his performance in this was, you know, anything south of spectacular and everything. I just don't mm-hmm. think it's my personal favorite role that he's played. Okay, like, well, that's different. That's different. Yeah, yeah Well, yeah. even that, like, I think that, you know, it's definitely in his top five performances in any movie of all time, mm-hmm. by far. But it, I think it's going to be real hard to get out of my head to any other movie outside of Goodwill Hunting for best performance from him. Really? I thought you would say Jason Bourne. Oh, that's Jason the, Bourne that's the is actually, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, but you know, it's like John Wick. You know, that's one of Keanu's oh, yeah. best performances, even though it's just it doesn't take that many words to play John Wick. But I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, I. I uh, I would go so far as to say maybe top three, not top five. But, um, you know, we got a Matt Damon episode coming. You know, we, we're going to talk about the greatness that is Matt Damon. Oh, of course. Uh, my, my friend. Um, but, yeah, man, overall, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. I'm I'm shocked that it's as underrated today as it is. Like, you don't hear many people talk about this movie, and that's really a shame. Like, with De Niro being behind the camera, um, this isn't his only time behind the camera, but it's I feel like it's his most... I feel like it's his best time behind the camera as a director. I think he's only directed two movies in his career. But um, yeah, dude, I give this a solid four. Yeah, I got to agree with that. It's a four. But when it comes to it being such like a sleeper hit, you got to keep in mind, this movie is sitting at just a little bit over like two and a half hours almost. And Mm. it's a very slow movie. You know, there's no action scenes to break this up. It's, it's a drama and it's an over two hour drama. Yeah. But I feel like that's kind of how spy films are, aren't they? They're not really supposed to be all action. You're, you're moving. Okay. There's some that's like, you know, okay. The gray man, but that's kind of like a big budget action movie. I don't, I wouldn't really call that a spy movie. Like 
I think when I think classical spies, I think movies like this. I think movies like Tinker Tailor. Mm. Like it's it's supposed to be a little slow, ain't it? I for these kind of movies, yes. But at the same time, you gotta think like, what are the if you ask somebody like on the streets, what's your favorite spy movie? It's probably gonna be James Bond. It's probably gonna be you know Fair enough. It, Fair enough. It, some might even be like, oh, Austin Powers. You know, it's it's a hilarious spy movie. It's, you know, it's a fun movie. Uh, I'd even <laughs> hear Man from Uncle a couple times. Uh, Kingsman. That's fair. That's you fair. Know, those more action thriller kind of spy movies. I think that's what the general, you know, audience looks at when they go for a spy movie. So when this comes out, yes, it's a very good spy movie. But I don't think it's exactly what a general audience would think of when you say spy movie. Okay. Uh, I, I, I got to disagree with you, but I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um, all right. Well, with that one, we're going to uh, move on here. That brings us to Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, a movie starring a uh, Gary Oldman as Mr. Smiley, a British intelligence officer that uh, or a british intelligence spy who is trying to figure out how a mole got into the british central intelligence and has been leaking information back in the 70s for their operations and it, this movie is one that continually goes back and forth between time periods of telling the mm-hmm. story of this mole that gets into their organization, starts leaking information, and their process of trying to find the mole and get them out of the organization while discovering that that's not going to be as easy as they thought. And uh, without really giving spoilers in it, it, that that's the synopsis for this movie is there's a mole in their organization and it's the process of finding out who that mole is, getting them out of the organization, finding out everything that they leaked and figuring out how to prevent it from happening again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty, that is this movie. Now I'll say this. I, I thought I had, you know, heard this film when it first came out in 2011. And, you know, when I saw the preview back then, I said, that looks a little boring, you know, because like I, it didn't really give much to me. I said, OK, there's a there's a mole. I mean, mm-hmm. we, 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 come on. We, we, what is this? You know, but, you know, looking in something like this, this is a movie that, you know, you got to take time with uh, when you get older, not even when you get older, just like when you watch it, you know, it's a film that requires your attention that you got you kind of got to keep up with it as you're watching it cuz you know you you do change time periods from like you know present to past and going back and forth and if you um if you don't uh you know pay attention at the right moments you could lose yourself you know you could lose uh lose what's going on so with that being said um this film took a little bit for me to kind of get on its wavelength you know mm-hmm. because uh in the beginning we have um you know uh Jim uh, who was sent to meet uh, a Hungarian general for uh, control? That's the name of the man who's uh, who's at the head of the British intelligence, uh, quote unquote, the circus. So when Jim goes, he realizes that uh, you know it's all a setup, and uh, he gets shot. You know, believing to be, um, you know, believing to be dead, and um, you know, control is just depressed because you know he he couldn't believe that you know his top guy that he sent. You know, uh, to um, who tried to uh, get a name for him at, uh, you know, of, of who's the mole, 
you know, he he uh, he got shot at his hands on his command. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we go on from there, him and George Smiley, uh, the top two guys, you know, they're uh, forced uh, they're forced into retirement. So that's where the film starts off. You know, that's it, it kind of gives us like some pretty solid exposition of like why the sort why the circus is where it is now and why it's why it's considered a circus too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because uh Smiley is forced out of retirement um per I believe uh it was it was either the prime minister or the prime minister's guy to uh, uh okay, it was Oliver Lacone that asked Smiley to investigate you know what's going on and who is the mole um in the circus so that's where this whole thing starts you know smiley is working in the shadows while everyone else is uh you know kind of like you know um trying to handle things in the circus and trying to stay on top of uh what's going on um so going from there we got a uh, benedict cumberbatch as a uh, peter the man that helps smiley in his um you know mission on trying to figure out who is the who is the mole and the one thing I like about their dynamic is that, you know, Cumberbatch, you could tell this is like pre Sherlock Cumberbatch. You know, he mm-hmm. he 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 plays a great um, supporting role to uh, Oldman in this film. I, well, everyone really much plays a great role in this film. There, there are no frills in this cast. Everyone comes to work and comes to work ready. But what I what I like about their uh, relationship is that Smiley sees a younger him in Peter. Like he he sees a, a man that's, you know, on the come up, you know, trying to, uh, you know, one day get in the position of where Smiley was before he was forced to retire. So there's a good dynamic there. But um, I want to say as we go through the uh, film, you know, you start to learn a little bit more secrets of each of uh, each character. You know, Tom Hardy has a great scene where he shows up as Ricky Tarr, the man that uh, said he had word of the mole in the beginning and his backstory. Um you know, I feel like I, I wasn't really confused by the back and forth uh, time narratives. I, I think I knew where we were at. Like, you know, you see Smiley back then with, you know, black hair. You see him in the, in the present day with gray hair. There were kind of signs to tell where you were at. But, like, it was more of a thing where you had to, like, pay attention. So, like, what was your experience with that? So my experience with it is, like, there's some scenes that were very easy to tell. Like, were we in the past or were we in the present and everything like that? But there were, especially when it came to Jim's character and everything like that, or Mark Strong's character, Jim, whenever he popped up, it's like, okay, well, obviously this is before he got shot. And then it's like, wait, hold on a minute. This can't be before he got, hold, wait, what's going on here? And of course, you, you know, later find out and everything that uh, jumping toward the end, which is technically still the beginning of the movie, that he, he wasn't killed. It was, mm-hmm. you know, he was saved by them and they then tortured him for information about the circus. And so there's a whole lot that this movie does to kind of like keep that kind of thing in its back pocket because we know there's a mole. We know that there's something going on and everything like that. And then we find out, oh, it Jim was technically the mole because he gave all the secrets for everything because he was being tortured for him. And it brings down like, who was the mole prior to that? And I don't think they got into like, if there was a mole prior to yeah, him, there, there was a mole. Yeah. Did you see? Uh, yeah, it was bill. 
That's right. Con- yes. Colin Firth's character. Yeah, he yeah. was the he was the guy that started everything. Yeah. Uh that's right because he started off with uh creating the whole thing with uh George and his wife. As well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, there, there's a lot it's, to it's this. It's another movie. smarmy character. Yeah, that's a- <laughs> It's another smarmy guy. You know, but yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot to this movie to unpack, just like you said here. Uh, but I want to say, you know, something that kind of threw me for a loop when I was watching it, uh, it just kind of like jarred me a little bit, but I guess that's the way it should be. Um, you know, when I see spy films, you expect people to, you know, get killed or whatever mm-hmm. in the shadows. You don't see it. it it's off screen in movies like this. Um, Tom Hardy's uh, flashback when he had met Irina and everything you know towards the end when uh i guess he's exposed or whatever you know his friend is shown with his throat to be cut i said man that's a little grisly but then he goes and sees irena's husband in the bathtub and out and, he, and his, his intestines is cut out i said damn that's that's a hard left turn mm-hmm. like i didn't know this was that kind of movie <laughs> you know like yeah i don't it- know i it yeah. definitely has some shocking moments to it in that regard that you're like, oh, OK, I didn't expect that from this movie. Like, it's a movie about finding out who's the mole in a secret operation. And then it has moments like that. where You're like, OK, so are we going to get some like action scenes in this movie? No, not really. Just that one action scene that we constantly cut back to to slowly give you more information as to what happened with uh, Jim's character. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love that when we find out that Jim is still alive, uh, I love that dynamic he has with the young the young man. I think his name was Bill. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, that's crazy. His name was Bill, and the one that betrayed him was Bill. That's 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 crazy. I just caught that. But uh, the young man's name is Bill. He says, oh, Bill, you're, you're a watcher, Bill. Yeah, I, I've known a good man named Bill in my life. I like his dynamic with this young kid and I like how we, we you know, follow him a little bit uh, in the in the story with him playing a teacher and everything. Mm-hmm. And it comes to the point where he tells the young man, like, listen, you got to get away from me. I'm not a good guy. You know, go play. You shouldn't hang out with a man like me. Um, I thought that was a great like little like side story there or side plot. Yeah, it it's definitely one of those things that. I'm sure on a second watch, it, everything's a lot more clear knowing how everything goes in the end. But having the moments with him and the kid and everything were a little bit confusing because he always was like looking over his shoulder at every time mm. that you see him as the teacher. And it's like, why is he like so skittish of everything? You know, is this like a precursor to his care? Like, why would he be trusted to be sent if he's always so skittish? And then you find out, oh, he's skittish because he's, you know, he's was, not supposed to be around. Right. He's supposed to be dead now. The, this right, is yeah. the future. This isn't the past anymore. And, you know, part of you is like, OK, this is starting to make sense now of his character and how he acted and everything yeah. like that. Yeah, I feel like the film kind of holds his hand. Well, I think it's like you can kind of like tell that this is the present time and that something happened when he got shot. Like, you know, they they don't really explain it to you at this point. The flashback comes later when when Smiley uh, shows up and he tells him the story. But, um, you know, like you, you, it, there's kind of some telling signs that, oh, wait a minute. Well, how did he get away? So mm-hmm. we, we're trying to figure out how did he even get here in the first place? 
Like, uh, but yeah, until Smiley actually shows up, you start to realize, okay, this is actually the present. Um, because yeah, he is kind of jittery. But um, yeah, absolutely, I agree with you. Now, you know, we got other um great actors here and stuff. You know, like I said, I like Colin Firth as a uh, Bill. Uh, I think he's very uh, you know, appropriately smarmy. I love John Hurt as control. Stephen Graham uh is like, you know, Jerry Westerby. Uh, you know, you got David Densick. Mm-hmm. Um, you got some great actors here, man. Uh Syrian Hines. I'm I'm trying to think of uh, what the man's name is. Um the the shorter guy, uh Toby Jones. Oh, you got Toby yeah. Jones. Yeah, you got some great actors here, man, in this film. But um, I want to say uh, I like the dynamic um, of, uh, you know, because it gets kind of it gets very tense, you know, when, uh, you know, Peter has to come and like, uh, I think I think get some documents for for Smiley and Smiley tells him, like, listen, if you get caught, uh, you're on your own. You know, this this is this is going to be pretty dangerous here. I like how when they call him into the room because you don't know what's going to happen. Percy is like, uh, hey, did you know that your guy? that you sent over to such and such, uh, you know, um, is, uh, you know, talking about a mole and now we can't find him. And, you know, at some point, Peter tries to call the bluff like, oh, you know, it's, you I, you know, you guys are uh, yelling at me about something that I've been trying to look for him for weeks. And they're like, well, this is serious and you could go to jail for this. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, like, they're pretty serious with him. And then he kind of, like, swallows uh, his pride. Like, hey, no, I, I don't know where he is. Like, I, I was going to ask you the same thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a great tense moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's some good tension in this movie. And it, it does come in, like, little spurts. But at the same time, one of the things that just does not aid this, like, in the end, I guess it does aid it a little bit with its time skips and it's, you know, jumping back and forth in the story and everything like that. Because you get that moment of, like, oh, I did have all the clues the entire time. But at the same time, going through, it's like, okay, this is confusing. What the? Okay, what's going on with this scene? This makes no sense as to what's going on. It's like going back. It's like, oh, that's that does make sense after mm-hmm. I know all the context of why it should make sense. It's like watching a movie backwards, and like some movies do this really good. Like Memento is supposed to feel like a disjointed movie, and this mm-hmm. almost has that same feeling to it at times. But it's not supposed to have that feeling. I, I'd argue it does supposed to have that feeling. I, I'd say you're not supposed to know what's going on until you're supposed to know what's going on. I feel like the film structure works to its benefit. It, it can be a bit slow at times. This is a spy drama with some thriller elements to it. But I feel like it, it does work. I feel like it, it, you, the way you're supposed to feel is the way you're supposed to feel. Like you're supposed to feel like what the hell is going on. Okay. You're like Smiley. You're trying to figure out, you're trying to connect the dots. Yeah, but at least Smiley has everything in the right order. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he has to work to that point. He he, he doesn't know everything. <laughs> if he knew everything in the beginning, he wouldn't need to go through all this stuff. He'd be like, I, I know who it is. It's oh, this yeah, guy yeah. and this guy and, you know. But, yeah. Right, it, right. To me, though, it just makes it very confusing to watch it like i'm sure on a second watch going through it and being like oh okay that's cool that they're leading to this and that and everything like that but the time skips that for me it made it very difficult like i i was paying attention to this one and being like okay i'm following this i'm following this how's he back again okay you know this must be in the past now no it's not in the past because this guy wait hold on a minute (laughs) 
Yeah, I um, I feel I feel like it moved at like a lyrical pace. Uh, I um, I didn't have a problem with the back and forth because like by the end it all made sense. Now, one thing I wanted to, one thing I kind of had to look up because I didn't quite understand was um, you know, when Jim went back and uh, he went to a bill cell and he shot him. That's one thing I didn't quite understand until I looked some stuff up. But I, but I wanted to know what was your before I kind of like give away what I found. What was your interpretation of that scene? So I thought that that was kind of more of a I couldn't tell if that was something that actually happened, especially because he had like the tear drop of like blood and everything like that. And it was like, OK, that's a little bit too like precise for him to like have and everything. So I was kind of questioning, is that something that happened or is that something that he thinks happened or that he was like telling people that happened as part of the information that he had given? Because when he was talking with Mr. Smiley about like what information he had given and everything like that. And he's like, how much did you tell him? He's like everything, but not everything as in leading. Like some of it was lies that he had given them. And I was questioning if that was maybe one of the lies that he had gone and killed Bill. Well, there's there's no lie to tell anymore. He by that point the 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 rat the mole is found. Who would he tell that lie to? That's true. I'll be honest. I wasn't sure if that one was played within sequence or not. So it, oh. it came off more as like a. It wasn't a real moment, just because of how it happened and everything. I think Jim, uh, I think Jim shot him. I think he shot him and I think he shot him out of revenge because let's be honest, Bill was the reason this whole thing happened in the first place. Right. So Jim being tortured, going through all that, um, it's Bill's fault. And, you know, you got that moment where him and Bill share a moment in the flashback where Jim is sitting all alone at the party and he just looks like lonely. And, you know, Bill kind of like gives him a smile and then kind of goes, all right, psych. And it just walks outside, you know, and like you could tell it was just him. I don't I don't know. Feeling cheated at that moment uh, is uh, is a way to put it. But, you know, this all happened because of Bill. Mm -hmm. So I think it was more of a revenge kill than anything, because, you know, Jim is messed up from all that torturing he went through. Oh, yeah. That messed him up. Well, even going back to the torture sequence, like the ways that they were torturing him with like the headphones that were constantly playing like the screaming and everything, and then it cut to nothing, and then it cut back to script, like, basically forever, you know, going back and forth between silence and screaming as a form of torture, and then eventually they bring out some woman that, you know, he has no idea who this woman is, and they're like, so it's okay if we kill her, and he's like, I don't know who this is, and... You know who that was, right? Oh, yeah, that was uh, the one person's wife. Um, who Whose wife was it? I forgot his name, but the woman that Tom Hardy fell in love with. Right. Yeah. 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 And because they brought her in because they thought that he was that mole when it really was a different mole that they were going after. And when he had no reaction to her death, they were like, hold on. I think we actually do have the wrong person here. Like, can can we go back through the script real quick? (laughs) Right, right, right. And the oh man, the sad thing about that one, the the bittersweet thing about that one is that the whole reason Tom Hardy's character agreed to do this because he wanted to have a life with Irina. He says, "Okay, mm-hmm. make sure they release Irina. I don't want to be a spy anymore. I just want to be a husband with the family." And uh, you know, Smiley didn't lie. He says, "He says I'll see what I can do." 
But, you know, then they found out that Irina died. Yeah. And she died as a form of trying to torture Jim, who had no idea who she was at all. Right. And it's like, th- there's there's a lot of moving pieces in this movie. Yeah, man, this is a pretty solid puzzle. I, I feel like you, uh, I feel like you're kind of just like got a little bit of a shell shock as this your first time seeing it. Oh, like, yeah, I'll fully admit that there's there's a lot about this movie being the first time watching it and everything like that, that it's like, okay, well, that didn't make sense, but maybe it'll make sense in the future. And by the time it does make sense, I've already forgotten that I was trying to make sense of a scene, you know, Mm -hmm. and it, it, it moves very fast paced in that this, this movie is a good, like two hours long, but it is very fast paced in the fact that it keeps constantly switching times and scene to scene and everything like that. You question a little bit of like, well, hold on. Is this scene going on during this time or is it going on during this time? And even scenes that are next to each other, you're like, okay, they're talking about this, but technically that hasn't happened yet from the past scene. So now we've switched times again. Okay. So we're now in the present day instead of the past now. And then they'll say like, Oh, and we're going to go send so-and-so on this mission. You're just like, but so-and-so should be dead right now. Okay. Hold on. Maybe I, you know, I almost feel like I need a notepad to follow along with this movie and scribbling down. Okay. So this person dies at this point, this person was talking to so-and-so at this point. And it's hard for me to be like, for a good movie, I shouldn't need to take notes to understand it, in my opinion. Well, see, I disagree with that. There are a lot of great puzzle box films out there. Like there's a, a lot, lot of, of people... great mystery movies. Well, I well, I would say puzzle box is too, because like a lot of people love the sci-fi film Primer, mm-hmm. and that's definitely a film where you gotta. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but that's definitely a film where you gotta have a notepad. Like, okay. He went through the time machine at this time. He came back at this time. But it's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like Donnie Darko. That's kind of a film where you kind of need a oh, notepad yeah. a little bit. You know, like I, I feel like that can work well, depending on what type of film you want to watch. I feel like that can work to the benefit of a film. But it's different with this one because it, it, it spells it out for you in the end. Like, it it's does. It's not like it leaves you hanging. Yeah. In the end, it does give you all the answers. But the problem is... By the time it gives you all the answers, you had forgotten some of the questions you had originally. And it's like, oh, cool. Here's the answer key to the test. And it's like, okay, what were the questions again? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Um, At least that's yeah, how man, the I movie got, was for me. I understand. I got to say with this one, man, I, um, I felt the same way I feel about Good Shepherd. I felt like it's a great spy drama uh gary oldman is terrific as smiley i feel like one of his best roles and uh no frills in this cast everyone in the cast was just uh pitch perfect and uh i give this a straight four uh this one i would give a 3.5 you know like you said the cast fantastic the story once you know what's going on very good but at the same time that the broken structure just confused me so much during the movie that it takes away some of the enjoyment of it when you're switching scene to scene and going, okay, I got to reestablish what's going on here. And it it takes you out of the movie for a minute to go, hold on. Okay. Let let me start doing calculations here to figure out what's going on again. Oh, this is another mystery added on to everything. Okay. Now we're finally getting the answers at the end. 
Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I, uh, I, I, def- I definitely understand where you're coming from with it. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much where I'm at with it. So I take it you lean towards a good shepherd here. Yes, I definitely lean more toward Good Shepherd. And, you know, I, I'm sure that someday I'll go back and watch, you know, Tinker Tailor Soldier Toy again, or, or Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy again. But, uh, yeah, I, um, the first watch definitely was not the most pleasant for me. Yeah, I I got you. I, I lean towards a Good Shepherd myself. I think Good Shepherd is a pretty great man. It um, it's, it's pretty great in my eyes, man. I I like Tinker Tailor too, but Good Shepherd had more of a you know great first impression on me when I um, you know uh first saw it and um, yeah, it still does to be honest. I I, th- I think it's a great movie, absolutely. Uh, so with that being said, you know Good Shepherd uh pretty much wins out, and uh, I'm with it, man. I'm with it. Now. Moving on to, um, you know, after show here, uh, you want to, um, well, first off, I got to say, let's give a, this is a shock to me, man. I got to give a, a rest in peace to uh, Matthew Perry. Oh, yeah. Uh, who played Chandler on Friends. Uh, that was shocking to me, dude. I, at first, you know, I was in, I'm in a film club on Twitter and somebody said, hey, uh, Matthew Perry pa- uh, West uh, passed away or that's what TMZ saying. I had to look that up real quick and I go, oh man, he did pass away. Uh accidental drowning, it sounds like. Yeah. And, in a uh, jacuzzi yeah. and not even at his own home, and if I was reading that correctly. Like he was just at a house in LA in that jacuzzi, and you know, he uh drowned. Mm. Mm. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. That's that's sad, and that's uh that's pretty crazy. But um yeah, you know, that was some pretty sad news. Richard Maul, I don't know if you watched Night Court, he passed away too. Um, I know he was, um, you know, a crowd favorite with that show. But uh, yeah, you know, rest in peace to them. And, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you, has there been anything you've, uh, you know, watched lately? So aside from like catching up on Loki and everything, I finished up Spider-Man 2. Not too much else outside of that uh the new south park special came out on paramount plus uh yes i saw the trailers for that it looks funny it's it's hilarious i absolutely loved it and yeah there was all that but no big movies but i know that you did catch a uh big movie recently i did didn't you Oh, oh i did yeah i did no i did i did um uh, I saw David Fincher's The Killer, which is coming to Netflix in a uh, couple weeks. Um, dude, I'll say this, man. Uh, you know, I'm going to post my review to uh, 8-Bit Waffles, uh, you know, the day it comes to Netflix, dude. Uh, I'd say this is a great, uh, terrific return to form for David Fincher, man. Uh, it, you know, David Fincher, you know, we know him for the the, the classics, right? Seven, Fight Club, Social Network. You know, recently, you know, he, he did Mank, which, um, you know, we talked about that movie. It was pretty cool for what it was, but it wasn't your usual David Fincher movie. Right. We, we you know, it, it wasn't the usual kind of, you know, dark noirish thriller. Mm-hmm. This this film was a return to form for for sure, dude. Uh, Michael Fassbender is terrific in the lead role. Um, but I got to say, man, this film has legit one of the best hand to hand fight scenes I've ever seen. Really? Uh 
almost to the point where if if David Fincher directs a John Wick spinoff or anything in that universe, it's going to be a problem. I mean, just like I, I tell you, have to see it to to understand. Like the okay. fight scene is so dang good; it's literally like in the middle of the film. Uh, I can't give too much away about it without revealing the plot, but uh, yeah, man, that fight scene is is awesome. Very good. Yeah, because uh, that that's one that's like on my list to check out and everything like that, especially with, you know, it coming to Netflix and everything. It's going to make it real easy to watch once I do my one month subscription to catch up on some stuff. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, I, I definitely would say give it a watch, man. It's a uh, very terrific dude. Um, Outside of that. You know, uh, I recently saw a movie and I think you and I will we'll talk about this in an upcoming episode. But I recently saw a movie called The Royal Hotel uh, with uh, Julia Garner from, uh, you know, Ozarks. I don't know if you ever watched that show. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, Julia Garner, Jessica Henwick, Hugo Weaving. Uh, terrific movie, man. So movie about these uh, two Americans, uh, you know, uh, vacation in Australia. And they take a, a temporary job in this bar in this uh, outback uh, mining town, uh, you know, f- uh, full of guys that come to the bar. Things get a little tense, um, you know, um, harassment ensues and it kind of becomes kind of like a social thriller because you got these two women that are from America in the middle of nowhere taking this job at this bar with these rowdy men. And you don't know where this is going to go as the film is going on. But that film was pretty good. I saw the documentary that inspired the movie, uh, Hotel Cool Guardy. Dude, it's a uh, it's a pretty solid movie, dude. Uh, we're I think we're gonna talk about it later, but I would honestly give it, I give it a four. It was a pretty solid movie. Okay, it's actually based on like a true story and um, uh, the the places not not necessarily the characters, but the place, oh, okay. like the kind of the bar is. Uh, but I, it's 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 definitely worth watching. The w- w- the documentary and the film are worth watching. But yeah, I, I liked it. Okay. Um. All right. So outside of that, uh, you know, nothing you've been watching lately at all. Uh, not real. I mean, right now Loki is going really strong. I would say. Okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, outside of that, not much this week. This week, uh, I didn't have too much time to watch movies or TV shows. All right, I hear you. I hear you. Oh, um, another film I saw. I uh, I recently saw another film coming to Netflix uh, called Ruskin, and uh, you know this film uh, is about um, you know a, a civil rights leader uh, by the name of well his last name was Ruskin, and uh, I'm about to get his name in a minute here. But uh, it stars um, my man uh, Coleman Domingo. You might know him from Fear the Walking Dead or, uh, you know, Zola. We saw Zola, right? Oh, yeah. You know, so, um, you know, it has him in the lead. Uh, Rustin. I'm sorry, Rustin. Uh, the, the name of the film is Rustin. Uh, his name was uh, Bayard Rustin. He was a civil rights activist. Uh, and, you know, uh, Coleman Domingo's in the lead role. And it's very good. It's about the uh, the man who helped Martin Luther King Jr., as well as, uh, you know, uh, other leaders organized the 1963 March on Washington. Um, there was a bit of a controversy with this guy because, you know, he was, um, you know, he, he was he was a homosexual. And at that time, it wasn't um, the kind of, you know, that was the kind of thing that was frowned upon in public, you know. So 
he wasn't really like a, a leader that was in the um, front lines because of his like, you know, sexual orientation. So it talks about that as well. And it's a very good movie, man. Uh, very well made. I, I would suggest check that out on Netflix when that comes to. Okay. I'll have to add that one to the list because, yeah, th- I will say like Netflix has a lot coming out for it soon that when you look at like the theaters, it's like, okay, what's coming to the theaters? It's like, oh, like two or three movies that I care about. And then you mm. look at streaming and it's like everything's coming to streaming right now. I'll say this, man, when it comes to uh, <laughs> when, when it comes to their subscription prices, I, I don't think they're uh, they're the best. But when it comes to films, they don't they don't miss the mark with films. Not lately. Uh, right now, especially at the tail end of, you know, this year and everything. There's a lot more coming to streaming than there are coming to theaters that are piquing mm-hmm. my interest, at least. Hmm. Okay, that's a fair, fair assessment. Yep. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. You know, the actors are still on strike, you know, um, even though the uh, the well at uh, the theaters is getting a little dry right now. We'll, uh, we'll see where everything goes as we, uh, you know, um, you know, go go uh, towards the end of the year here because we know uh, award season is coming. Well, we know award seasons for critics are coming and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And, you know. We'll see how it goes. But uh, all right, y'all. Thank you for another episode of uh, Double Feature Versus. Take care. You know, remember to uh, watch movies, you know, talk about movies and uh, have a good one.